the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. with you here on Dave Ellswick Show. I want to talk about, real quickly, before we get back to Second Amendment, what I was just talking to you about, Chrisanne. Mm-hmm. The president signed two executive orders yesterday. Yes. Which uh, said to uh, agencies, government agencies, the bureau rats that are, I don't call them bureaucrats, I call them bureau rats, <laughs> that, are, that are out there in Washington, D.C. And, Ed, are you familiar with the terminology major guidance document? Not specifically, but... Okay, so here's what... Ama- let me let me just give you something that happened to this guy. All right, he's a rancher. His daughter says to him, Dad, I want to raise some horses. He says, okay. But to raise horse, we need a stock pond. So he goes to the, uh, through the legal channels he's got to go through, gets himself a permit. He gets it from the Army Corps of Engineers and from the state. Yeah, so he gets it, and he builds his... Uh, he builds a stock pond. And then all of a sudden, the EPA shows up. And the EPA says, no, you can't have that. And if you don't fill it in, you don't get rid of it, we're going we're gonna, to uh, hit you for $32,500 in fines every single day. You don't fill it in. Well, this guy, he's a rancher. He bows up, of course. And he takes on the EPA. Now, it's only been recently that you can sue the EPA. So uh, he got he got he got into a big fight with him. Well, the Pacific Legal Foundation got involved and to help him out. And by the time they had gotten involved, the fines that the EPA had levied against this guy had reached sixteen million dollars. Sixteen million dollars, because the EPA in one of these uh, major guidance documents that aren't really published for the average American. See, see, the average guy hit Mr. Anderson, did what he was supposed to do. But the EPA said, no, I got, we got the guidance document that says you can't do that. How, how many people did that pond kill? Well, nobody. But oh, here, nobody. No, but the EPA said that we oh, believe. Yeah, well, the EPA said we believe that sometime in the future it may damage a, a river that is six miles away. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, when the Pacific Legal Foundation got involved, they won against the EPA. The EPA dropped the charges, blah, 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 blah. Well, he was at the White House yesterday. It just amazes me that our congressmen, our representatives, and our senators who are supposed to be making these laws, you know, it, it took a presidential executive order. Now, that could be changed, just so you know. Another president can come along and change it. 
Uh, it needs to be put in concrete that these people can't be writing these guidance documents that are in complete reversal of what the law says. Yeah, so t- uh, the two executive orders that he wrote are called the Transparency and Fairness Executive Order and the uh, Bringing Guidance Out of the Darkness Executive Order. So you can go to the White House webpage and find all the executive orders that he's written. But it's really interesting because the executive orders have been for decades used in an unlawful and unconstitutional way by well, like practically every single president uh, in the last 50 years. But in this case, these particular executive orders are actually constitutionally correct because the purpose of an executive order is for the executive branch to give guidance and direction to uh, the executive of the executive branch to give guidance and direction to the agencies of the executive branch. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he's doing. And that's that's a power of the president uh, by abdication so we need to what we talked about today at the state capitol was there really is no constitutional authority for a bureau of land management on the federal level or the epa or the department of interior or the department of agriculture or any of them they their power is reserved to the states. so you can have an epa in the in arkansas but you can't have a federal epa and so it's really encouraging to me that the president would do this Now, the more lawful and more correct way for this to be done would be for the governors to stand up and tell the federal government, you have no authority in my state here in that. And so that's what we are trying to do. And that's why I was brought to Arkansas this week was to give the education. Uh, We were in the Capitol Rotunda. That was really exciting. I think a lot of people heard us that didn't want to hear us. Pretty place, isn't it? It's very pretty, but it was also very loud, and we were in the middle of the rotunda, and we carried throughout the entire building, and so I'm pretty sure some people who didn't want to hear us had to hear us anyway, and so I'm just happy that that truth made through the airways, and the power that the people have is just so enormous, and it just even makes it more frustrating to know how much power we have, but we've been deceived for so long that we simply don't even recognize what we have. It's like it's like having a flat tire and sitting on the side of the road for three hours and somebody comes to help you and you say, you know, I got a flat tire. And the person says, well, do you have a spare? And you say, yeah. Well, where is it? It's in the trunk. Okay, so why didn't you change your tire? You had a, a spare for three hours. You had the solution to your problem the whole time and you never used it because you didn't even know it was there. Or you didn't know how to change it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine the laughter that might erupt at the Constitutional Convention if the delegates were asked, hey, this this new government you're in this room trying to form and you're going to try to get the states to ratify, will, will this new government you're forming in this Constitution, can it prevent some farmer from digging a pond on his land? And the laughter that would erupt from that. But that's exactly what happened. And just think of what, what it, it, that that legal foundation that you cited that eventually successfully fought it. What if they wouldn't exist it? Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting you is the conversation I- actually did come up during the convention because the anti-federalists were very, very concerned that the Constitution uh, was vesting in the federal government 
power that would over the years allow them to accumulate through interpretation and false application. And that's that's particularly why James Madison wrote Federalist Paper 45 to reassure them, you know, we wrote this so that if we follow the Constitution, what your fear is will not happen. And they you know, they were the Constitution is in writing. So that we know we have to follow it because they had, you know, kings and stuff who didn't follow things. And so we have this document in writing. If you follow it, this can't happen. And so we have to know now the problem is not the Constitution. The problem is that we're not following it. All right. So, you know, we can take this into the Second Amendment or into the Tenth Amendment or whatever. How have we gotten so far off from what the founders wanted? Education. Yeah, ignorance, apathy, and some people are fully aware of what's going on, but that's what they want. So they just keep pushing that direction, and uh, far too many people just through ignorance and apathy. They. they I think the apathy is the the product of the ignorance. They can tell you the name of every single person that starts on their favorite baseball team, basketball team. They can't tell you their congressman. They can't tell you one Mm -hmm. person on the Supreme Court. So they have chosen priorities, and it's recreation and day-to-day stuff versus... Uh, what really matters. Uh, Go ahead. I'll add one more thing. (laughs) Compromise. You look at gun rights, and you go back to 1934 with the National Firearms Act. That was restricting machine guns and short-billed rifles, and sure, take those away. 1935, right? I think it's 34. 34. 34. Was it 34? With the NFA. Okay. Um, and then you look at the other Gun Controls Act and the Hughes Amendment, and then we had the assault weapons ban in the 90s, and... They, with with gun rights, it, we've chipped away little by little. And I, I, for one, I'm done compromising. I want to repeal the NFA and uh, and go back to what the, the Second Amendment, I think, really Well, means. we should eliminate the ATF altogether, and yeah. then you don't even have to repeal anything. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Samuel Adams said, No people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. He said, on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. Everything begins and ends with education, and that's why we are where we are today, because some very, very uh, wise but uh, wicked people in the mid-1800s decided to take over the American education system. And in doing so, um, oh, it, well, actually it began in, 18, in uh, 1833. We changed the way we taught the Constitution. I mean, oh, practically overnight from a, uh, a confederation of states built constitutional republic to a consolidation of states federal supremacy uh paradigm and and now we're in a situation where we have 176 years of education that has convinced people of things that simply aren't true and so that's where the compromise comes from you know oh i it's a second amendment right no it's not but if you believe that it's a second amendment right then you believe that government that the documents gave it to you and that means that the government can regulate it we we have to get back to reorganizing our speech and the way we talk and the way we educate so we start speaking truth instead of compromising in speech to just, you know, get along with people. And the marketing of the other side is very good that go, that 
it works very well with our apathy and our ignorance, the, the compromise. You can be made to seem unreasonable. Well, you won't even compromise on this. Well, certain things should not be compromised. Mm-hmm. If I have a yard sale and I have a lamp out there for $10, you can say, hey, I'll give you 5 I'll say, I'll take 7 We compromise. I wanted to get rid of the lamp. You wanted the lamp. We just have to compromise. The, the federal government has the authority to, to print money. Uh, so I want yellow money, you want green money, we can compromise on blue. That power exists, we can compromise. But if you if I have three kids and you want to take all my kids, I don't say, well, how about how about if I just give you one? I mean, there, there's no compromise there. Um, if they <laughs> I want might to have ban, done that sometimes. When if I the was federal government eight. wants to ban five religions, we don't say, well, would you be happy if you just banned two of them? No, you can't have any. There's just no compromise there. And it's the same thing with the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment's not any you know, we're not holding it up higher. It's just mm-hmm. so not compromising on things that should not be compromised on is totally reasonable. But well, still, you'll have people say, well, come on, you should compromise. No, not on things that I have a right to. Well, there are, uh, there's a certain understanding that our founders had, I think, that we've lost, is that these things are natural rights. Yeah. So they simply cannot be compromised. Not that I'm not able to compromise them. It's impossible to compromise them. You either have them or you do not. Uh, There are some of our founders who would have been very adamant and tell you you can't even surrender them because they are yours naturally. It would be like saying, can I give my breath away? You can't give your heartbeat away. You can't give your breath away. These are the things that are part of you. And so because of the inherent nature, I mean, we're born with them. They're not bestowed upon us. We can't even surrender them. So the only way to have them lost is that they are violently stripped from us or we relinquish their presence by uh, through ignorance. All right. Let's take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more. Uh, we've got uh, Jordan Stein, correct? S-T-E-I-N? That's me. I got you right. From Gun Owners of America. Yep. All right. Chris Han is with us, and uh, she Hall is here, and she she doesn't want to be called a constitutional scholar, but that's what, <laughs> it, but that's what everybody says to me when they talk. Your name says that, and then it follows constitutional scholar, and I and think I would Southern agree. And then the Southern Poverty Law Center gets really annoyed by that, so maybe I should <laughs> just adopt that. Well, that's good. I'm know, glad they right? get annoyed by it. <laughs> they hate and me. And then Ed Monk is here. Ed is my go-to guy on uh, 2A and uh, a lot of things constitutional. He uh, is a former history instructor. He is a former military man he was in the uh, first gulf war is that correct no iraqi freedom no iraqi freedom oh i forgot about that you were in the second gulf war yeah all right we'll we'll talk with all of them when we come back here on the dave ellswick show 24 minutes after four let's get back to our our uh, discussion i want to bring up paul calvert you know paul and and chris and i'm sure if you were over in the rotunda this big tall guy came up and talked to you had to Old Testament beard. Yes, <laughs> yes, he did. See, it does. It doesn't take me long to explain to people what he looks like, and everybody says, "Yeah, I said, yeah." Uh, I call him my Old Testament prophet, and he's on my show every Tuesday mm-hmm. with Jan Morgan and and R.G. Hopper. But uh, he, something that drives him crazy is precedent, and I understand why it drives him crazy because with the Supreme Court with judges, when you talk precedent many times, they'll say, well, precedent, literally, even if it takes you away from the original meaning mm-hmm. of what 
the Constitution says overrides the original meaning. That's why I always say I want an originalist as a Supreme Court justice, not a you know a living document kind of guy or kind of woman like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who right. they've made into a hero now. But the bottom, <laughs> you know, the bottom, and she, um, look, this is the woman who said that if she had to pick a constitution, it'd be South Africa's constitution. She didn't pick the American constitution. She should have been impeached for that statement, by the yeah, way. Just, just incredible to me. But let's go back. How do we destroy that whole thought process that just because this generation thinks that the the uh, original founders meant this, that it somehow takes precedent over what the original founders meant? I mean, it's well, I think we can obvious. begin by by just simply acknowledging that they don't even consider what the original uh, drafters of the Constitution said and meant. And what's interesting is, you know, this we live in a society where truth is no longer absolute and opinions are actually truth and nobody knows what the truth is anymore. And wow, so I did a whole show on that. Oh, that would, have, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> but, the, but the bottom line is this, and I'm sure the, the two distinguished gentlemen here with me will, will agree. You will as well. Um, you don't have to divine or guess what the drafters of the Constitution meant because they wrote it down. They wrote it down specifically and explicitly. They wrote reams and reams and reams about the right to keep and bear arms alone. Mm -hmm. And there is no question about what they meant. So the idea that, you know, we can we need to discover what they mean. And I had a law professor tell me one time, well, you know, you know, we can't really know what they meant. You know, it was so long ago. And, And I said, how can you even say that? It's it's still in writing. As a matter of fact, it's on your cell phone right now. You can know what they meant because they wrote it down and they meant what they wrote. And so you have this whole postmodern deconstruction of truth, which leads people into this, well, where we are today. No No truth. truth. You know, people say truth is relative. No, it's truth or it's not truth. Well, it's either or. It's not maybe. There's a quote I was trying to find here, but I used to have, I have it somewhere by Thomas Jefferson where he says, if you want to know what we were thinking. Then simply, like she said, simply come back and read what we wrote. It's pretty clear. Don't try to twist the meaning mm-hmm. into what you want. And that's what people do now. They say, okay, what what result do you want? What do you want the courts to say? What do you want policy to be? Okay. Then backwards, try to reason. It's kind of like, you know, a, a criminal trial court. I want my client to be found innocent. That's the result I want. So then I try to backwards use the law to get to the result I want. And the founder said, no, just simply start with the Constitution and then use facts and reasoning to go forward to say whether it's allowed or whether it's not. It's a, it's not an emotional thing. It's a technician thing, simply yes or no. And I, I really admire judges that come to decisions that are against what they want, but they say clearly this is what the law says is allowed or prohibited or whatever. So they just simply read it as a technician, not as an emotional. And, so when I used to teach it in high school, I would use the Eighth Amendment, a cruel and unusual punishment, mm-hmm. as, a, as an example. Uh, do you use the term cruel and unusual? Do you interpret it how the people who wrote it would have interpreted it? Or do you take the words they wrote hundreds of years ago and interpret it through what you want today? And that, that to me, was the best way I could explain the difference. 
Well, I think if anybody, if, if there's the slightest bit of discomfort, either mentally or physical, that's cruel and unusual. Well, you're using 100-year-old words but putting your desires in it. Yeah, 21st yeah. century mm-hmm. if, desires. If you, if you don't it. like what they wrote, then, then we've done it. Just play by the rule book. If, you know, they didn't mandate that females be allowed to vote. They didn't. We decided we wanted to do that. So we amended the Constitution. That's we correct. just didn't That's- interpret it. And say, well, now because of the way we want it, we will interpret it a different way. Well, the difference was back then they believed that voting qualification was a state right issue and not a federal government issue. And we get to the point where we have to look in history. I mean, modernizing this issue, uh, we bring forth all these uh, mistruths and arguments. The Women voted in America prior to the 19th Amendment. And as a matter of fact, every state in the union uh, codified the right of the women to vote before the 19th Amendment was even ratified. Oh, no. So, There's some truth for you. And then Deal we, with it. And it. Yeah. Well, and if you read the 19th Amendment, it doesn't. I've got to have you hold. Okay. Got to take a break. News is next. All right. She had her headphone on. Couldn't hear me. Anytime you come through the area, you have a microphone. Thank you. Come by and, and visit you. with me, please. Because I, I love when early, people come here and talk about the truth. Yes, yes. That's what this show is all about. Same with you doing. You're first time struggling. being here. I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> he was all, you should have heard him first time. I just called him up out of nowhere. Somebody gave me his number. I called him. He goes, hello. I go, hey, this is Dave Ellsworth. Why don't you come on my show? Because uh. <laughs> he had no idea who I was. I'm glad you came in today. Happy to be here. Feel free to take your shot at the punching bag, too, before you leave. Oh, sweet. You're always uh, happy to do that. Ed, it's always a pleasure to have you here. So I got 24 minutes. So now. Now. Well, I got you three here. We can spend about a half hour. Can we get three life-size cutouts of us and standing them in the corner? If you have them made, I'll be happy to put them up here in the studio, all right? Because you're real conservatives. But we'll be happy. Uh, I want to talk about the Second Amendment. All right? So, Chris Ann, Second Amendment. But I thought that had to do with, uh, you know, uh, militias and stuff. People do believe that still. It's grammar. It really is. We have difficulty with grammar. We don't teach grammar. We don't diagram sentences anymore. We don't understand grammar. God, I used to hate doing that. And uh, Yeah. And so <laughs> if, you, if you understand grammar, I mean, I'm not a fan of, of the rules of grammar, but you have, to, you have to know grammar if you're going to understand things that are written. And I'm, I, have, I have the joy of living with a grammarian. My husband is a is a you know one of those grammar police and he helps me. He's a so grammar gonna, Nazi. Gra- well, I wasn't going to say that, <laughs> but uh, that's okay. But here it is. Okay, the yeah. well-regulated militia, okay. comma, being necessary for the security of the free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Okay, right. I understand we don't speak like that, we don't write like that anymore. But grammatically speaking, the subject of that sentence is the right of the people. The right of the people to keep and bear arms is the component of the well-regulated militia, which is necessary for the security of the free state. So the right of the people to keep and bear arms, this is our, this is our subject. Okay. And their right, the, their necessity to keep the free state is essential in the militia. Now, what do we get wrong? Because here's the government. 
Government attorneys write their briefs and they say, well, well-regulated militia. They must mean the government militia because everybody knows nobody regulates as well as the government. <laughs> right? No, that's, it's funny. Those are actually legal arguments, right? Correct. But Noah Webster said that the whole body of the people is to bear arms because we are to out-arm the government. He said the government... No, Matt, he said the, the force at the command of Congress can execute no law contrary to the Constitution because the whole body of the people will will bear arms and will constitute a force superior to any band of regular troops that Congress can even try to raise. Uh, uh, George Mason. George Mason said that um, that. He was quoting a governor from Pennsylvania said that to enslave the people, the best way to do that was to disarm the people, but not to do it openly. You need to weaken them and let them sink gradually. The whole body of the people must be armed. My favorite is Richard Henry Lee. He said, whereas it is essential for the whole body of the people to always possess arms. Now, if something is essential, can you do without it? No. If you're always doing something, is there ever a moment when you're not doing it? No. And so we, Richard Henry Lee was simply telling us that if we're not packing every single day, we're not preserving liberty. And here's the distinction that he said. The mind that aims at a select militia is one that is contrary to a Republican form of government. And whenever the people see a person, a man, he said, gravitating to that mindset, we must hold him suspect and know that he is not for liberty. Now, my favorite guy was not the first secretary of war. You know, everybody <laughs> says, you know, well, Dave, do you think you should be able to have a bazooka? Yes. I mean, Knox, he put cannon on his front yard. After the war. <laughs> well, the battles of Lexington and Concord yeah. were because the British regulars were going to Concord, not not to confiscate muskets, no, but to confiscate cannons that yeah. they had rightfully heard through intelligence that the militia in Concord had. And when, I, when I've taught this and spoke on this, people say, well, is it, you know, I'm confused. Is it a militia thing or is it a individual people with yes. gun things? And my, yeah. my answer is yes. Because, again, <laughs> if you go back and read what the founders wrote, it was extremely clear that the militia they were talking about was every able-bodied man. She she brought mm -hmm. up uh, Richard Henry Lee. It's I, the people. Yeah. Uh, Richard Henry Lee said a militia, when properly formed, are in fact the people themselves and include all men capable of bearing arms. And she, she alluded to this one. To preserve liberty, it is essential that the whole body of the people always possess arms and be taught, get ready for this, Dave, and be taught alike, especially when young, how to use them. Just think of the quivering shakes that's causing with people out there. That a founding father said, we must teach our young people about guns and how, how to My shoot. son's been shooting since he was three. Yeah. And, and for I, him. The third one from him is, such are a well-regulated militia composed of the freeholders, citizens, and husbandmen who take up arms to preserve their property as individuals and their rights as freemen. If in this, not just, didn't cherry pick one guy here. If you go back to all the founders, they were all in agreement of the importance of everyone. And then if you look, uh, the, the Second Amendment was ratified in 1791. The Militia Act of 1792, less than a year after the same Congress that proposed the Second Amendment and said militia, that within a year they passed the Militia Act, which defined the militia as every able-bodied man, and required them 
to be privately armed, to furnish themselves with their own weapons. Wow, it sounded like Switzerland. So off track here, when people would say there's nothing in the Constitution uh, that that gives the federal government the authority to require people to buy something, you know, which was the Obama court thing. And I said, well, not in the Constitution, but I think I can make an argument the founders did think they had the authority to require you to buy guns because they well, wrote it I'll in the militia act of 1792. They would, they would, <laughs> that would be a power that is reserved to the states to do that because that was always done on the state level. Because remember, the government with the power to require us to buy is also the government that can require us to not to buy. And so the power given in the positive is easily turned into a power given in the negative. And so, so that would be an that's expansion why Jefferson of power. Said, you have a government big enough to give you everything. Exactly. It's big enough to take exactly. everything away. Exactly. And that power was clearly to be left within the states. And and so we have to make sure that this is not something, you know, in that we we hand over to the federal government. And that's what's happening, right? Because yeah, you we're have giving people, away our rights. Yeah. Yeah. And when again the founders would say you can't give them away, but we are we are letting them slip through the fingers of our future and don't look to have them back right Uh, samuel adams said nope uh when we when we tamely suffer a lawless attack upon our liberty we encourage it and we involve others in our doom he said it's uh it's a situation that should weigh heavy upon our hearts that ages and millions yet unborn will be the miserable sharers of our experience what we do today is internal and especially with our rights and our liberties. And that's one thing that I think we need to really grasp a hold of. Well, that's something that we talk about on my show. And I'm going to come back to you, Jordan, because you made uh, mention of something during the break that I want you to bring up. And that is this. Look, I'm, I'm 66, all right? I'm probably, the, I'm, I know I'm the youngest here in this room. Clearly. <laughs> Zach, my producer just fell down laughing. Um, yeah, I'm the oldest here. Well, I'm 78 in tanker years. Yeah, here's, a, here's what I want. Here's the point that I want to make. When I was a kid, I can tell you I could do a million different things that your children today can't do because mm-hmm. it's illegal. Yeah, absolutely. And they're missing out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just missing out. Oh, I yeah. mean, seriously. Even if they never did it, that they had the right to do it. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, see, that's the definition of liberty. I think I heard you talk about, one of you talked about that before, is that um, our founders knew, and this is a fact, that liberty has no bounds except that you cannot harm or control the right of another. So I should be able to do whatever is in my ability to do to the extent that I don't bump off their liberty somewhere Mm -hmm. or I don't infringe upon your liberty somewhere. I, I should have the right to keep and bear arms. As as much and as as frequently and as abundantly as I want, but I don't have the right to force you to do that. I don't have the right to prevent you from doing that That's either. Correct. So liberty means the least government prop. Uh, possible uh, in order to maintain the security of the rights of the people. And I always tell people the greatest gift our government, our, our founders gave us was not independence from Great Britain, but the ability to self-govern. And I think the biggest condemnation that we have today is our refusal to self-govern because so many times, even conservative aspects, people run to government to make laws to fix problems. But laws don't stop crimes. Nope. So we have to understand that that the only thing that stops people from doing bad things is a conscience 
to control themselves. And we have to get back to self-governing. And I, I meet gun owners, unfortunately, throughout my life that, that fit in that situation. Mm-hmm. Well, assault weapons ban. Well, you know, I, I don't want them. I don't really see why anybody should have anything. So why don't, they call, them, why don't not, they call them the scary guns? I'm not prisoner. <laughs> why don't they, why why they call they them did. assault guns? They should call them scary guns because there's no such thing as assault gun anyway. I'm not a Presbyterian, but if the government goes to close down Presbyterian churches, I'm not going to go, well, you know, I like Presbyterian. No, I'll, see be, why on the, I'll, needs to be, I'll be one of the first people on the steps of that church. See, my th- my fear and my sadness is I don't think that many people would. And I, my whole life uh, with this gun thing is people like, well, I, I don't see a problem with a background check. Well, then you're not looking at it as a right. You're looking yeah. at it as this, mm-hmm. you'll take whatever the government allows you a to have. Privilege. That's not a right. When and you, you have believe, to be screened by yeah. the government before you exercise a right, you don't have a right. That is not a right. So yeah, so why do I right. have to ask the government permission for when, where, and how I can carry when the government is the reason that I carry? Oh, very good. See, that whole logic thing, that, that really gets the left See, I, upset. I really get, I, I sometimes get beaten up by both sides because I'm, I'm a liberty extremist. I really am because I would not only stand on the steps of a Presbyterian church, but I would stand on the steps of the mosque as well. Yeah, so would I. So, I agree uh, with but, that. But you know, you and I w- would get rotten tomatoes thrown at us by the conservatives. Yeah, probably that, so. so. Some conservative. Well, I'm a conservative, if, but I mean, if you I'm go not back to Lexington I'm a constitutionalist. And Concord, okay. <laughs> as, as the British were heading towards Concord, and Paul Revere and the other writers were out spreading the news all over the place, there were people who got up, and this was early in the morning, there were people that got out of their cold April morning beds in Massachusetts and walked in the darkness, armed themselves, and walked 12 miles through the woods to go to another town that many of them had never been to before, but because the British government was going there to violate the rights of the people in Concord that they had never met before, but they weren't putting up with that. And today, uh, the even more egregious violations of our rights, people just watch on Facebook or watch on the news and don't say anything or maybe gripe on Facebook, but they won't go beyond that. You know, it's something that really makes me ashamed, to be honest, makes me ashamed, almost makes me cry, is I watch Hong Kong, and what flags are they flying? Mm-hmm. Not a Hong Kong flag. They're carrying American flags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. American flags. And most of the people that are listening right now would never get out in the street to stop our government from doing anything. They won't. Not only will they the not go out and risk violence, they won't register. They won't join organizations. They won't do the peaceful things to try to prevent it getting to the violent things. They, the worst they'll do is gripe on Facebook. Pretty bad that yep. people in Hong Kong understand freedom better than supposedly supposedly the freest nation on earth let's take our final break when i come back i promise jordan i'm coming to you i want to talk about talk about your generation and about licensure okay we'll do that coming back on the dave ellswick show and make a i don't know electric current run up your leg just like it did when what was his name that heard obama speak the first time and Oh, Chris, Chris Wallace. Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews. Chris yeah. Matthews. Yeah, he had a, a tingle run up his leg. A tingle run up his leg. That's like <laughs> listening to it's like listening to my show. All right, what the, what the, let's come to you, Jordan. You tell us, tingle. Jordan. You you were talking about millennials, and you're from North Carolina. Yeah, and they're all about license, right? Well, it, it's they've accepted it. Right, because that, that's they've been the, taught it. They've been taught that that's the way it is. That to carry a firearm, you need a permit. And, and you know, people growing up, I'm 24, a millennial. 
you know, that's that's just the way it is, right? And and you know, when you think about that, when you have to get a permission slip to exercise your right, you don't have a right. It's a privilege, and, and that, that's why I like to see states move towards constitutional carry legislation, right. where you can carry as a matter of right and, and not having to get that permission slip. As though, see, I never understood the whole the whole argument about permits. Because the only people who will get a permit are the people that will follow the law. Not going to be the criminal. Mm-hmm. All right? He's not going Or me, somebody who believes in liberty. But the bottom line, it, then they make me a criminal. But those people don't care. They don't care. You know, it's crazy. In Florida, um, when Pam Bondi was our attorney general, she actually argued before the Florida Supreme Court that if an officer sees someone carrying and conceal that every officer in the state of Florida ought to auto- be able to automatically assume that they are a criminal and then the uh, then the person accused it has to defend and prove their innocence by showing the papers. Now, Pam Bondi is supposed to be this big, you know, conservative, but in Florida, mm-hmm. we know she's not. So she actually made that argument that you're automatically to be a viewed as a criminal. Now, we lucked out our Supreme Court, which is generally more liberal than not. Our Supreme Court uh, found against her. She said, don't think so. Yeah, the Supreme Court said no. Pam Bondi tried to prove that every gun owner was a criminal first and just, free second. It, what I always try to get people is if, just look at it as a right. Just flip it. It's very easy to make the comparison. That Imagine a state official as high as the attorney general saying if someone is carrying a Quran or is wearing a Muslim yeah. piece of jewelry, they are, they can, any police officer can assume they're a terrorist until that person can Proves prove that they're, not. that they're not. How ridiculous that would be. But they do it with a straight face because even gun people, even people that claim they support the Second Amendment, don't treat it like it's a right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't put up with it, hopefully, with other things, but we put up with it with the Second Amendment. Do you know what's really interesting? Alexander Hamilton made the this very argument that we're talking about today. Uh, Alexander Hamilton was not a favor in favor of incorporating the Bill of Rights into the Constitution. And he believed that by making a list of our rights yeah. that we would actually, he said, uh, give a power to amend, to men disposed to usurp. He said to actually make a credible argument that they have that the federal government would have a right to regulate uh, as long as they didn't infringe. Right. So his his argument was. We don't need a Bill of Rights because the Constitution already specifically describes what the federal government can and cannot do. We've never given them the power to regulate speech or press or or anything like that. So why should we tell them not to do it? And he said by giving telling them they can't do something we've never given them the authority to do, they will make the argument then they must have an inherent authority to regulate because we made a list. Thank God he didn't get his way. Can you imagine where we'd be in this country right now had if we did not have a Bill of Rights? Yeah. I don't know. We have one, but it hasn't made any difference. I think both of the arguments are really good, the argument in favor of the Bill of Rights and the argument opposed to it, because everything that Hamilton said would happen with the Bill of Rights has also come to fruition. Right. The bottom line is most people don't understand that the most important part of the Bill of Rights is the Ninth Amendment. 
which declares that whether the rights are written down or not, they are the property of the people. And we have forgotten that the rights are our property, and we have failed to teach these things. Yeah, well, we've sold a lot of property. Yeah, the, the, the bow on the present of the Bill of Rights was the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. Yeah. It said, you yep. people have infinitely number of rights, more than what we listed, but mm-hmm. the government has no more powers than what we listed. So I love the way they tied that in a bow. Mm-hmm. And what the, when I taught it, I, I think the founder's intent was the Constitution was in, intended to be the cage for the government. And if you look, read the founders, sure. they say government is evil. Not that government, not this government, all government. No matter what form, no matter where it is, government is evil because it's people with authority over other people. The propensity to grow. Yeah, exactly. And so that the attempt of the Constitution was to put it in the cage, and I think the Bill of Rights was the lock to keep that cage shut. But the, the government, as the founders predicted, have picked the lock, and we're not watching them, and we're not vocal about putting them back in the cage and putting the lock back on. We're out of time. Mm-hmm. Just saying. I was just say the Constitution is actually a contract, and when you understand contract law— you understand the purpose for the Ninth and the Tenth Amendments. In contract law, the Ninth and Tenth Amendments are what we call the rules of construction. Rule number one, everything within the Constitution and the Bill of Rights must be interpreted first through the application of rule number one. All the rights in the universe belong to the people. Rule number two, that power, not rights, are delegated to the government but are still retained by the people. She's my kind of person, Ed. I'm glad she came on, aren't you? Ten four. Great. <laughs> All right. Any books that you have out there? Pretty I have cool? six books, actually. Okay, where they can find these And at? I also have DVDs, and I have an online training program at libertyfirstuniversity.com. Okay. And I also have a website, and I have a, a radio show and a television show, and you can find all that at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. There you go. And I know GOA has a website. We do. Yes. And it is? GOA's my friend. (laughs) All right, go ahead. It's gunowners.org. You can join, sign up for your email, uh, our email list. You can take action all all there at gunowners.org. Can I tell you a secret? I got five seconds. They're better than the NRA. All right. I think that, too. All right. We're going to break. I'll see you tomorrow at 2 again here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Dave. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.